This week we are the British Messiahs. I'm not even going to mess around with it. We're going to get into it. The biggest, I guess, kind of story of the week, at least as far as you and I are concerned. Um, people have talked about it. I think if we had talked about this on the podcast even just a few days ago, my opinion would have been a lot different. <laughs> I'll say a lot more negative. Um, but I've had a little bit of time to deal with it. I've had, I've seen a good amount of wrestling. I watched a good amount of wrestling today within the last 24 hours we'll say that got my hopes a little bit back up but timothy thatcher is nxt bound um i don't know what is officially out there or if you know more than i do but uh yeah that's that's kind of the big news story what's up with that quentin yeah um look if you just look at historically what they do with people when they sign or have like working relationships or like some kind of deal with nxt if you're someone that has your like your face on the front page and you're wearing the PC shirt and you're part of like you're you're also being part of like the class like that that's like an exclusive WWE thing. Um, obviously, so like some people get to go around and uh, still do stuff like like Cassiano can still pop up some places a few times a year and get to do some other stuff. And obviously, like people like the British Strong Style guys for a, for a while and NXT UK and NXT UK crew can pop up and some people do evolve but but mostly when you look at people that do like the welcome to the welcome the new pc class of whatever like that's an nxt wwe exclusive thing so like as far as i know thatcher is very very much signed to wwe yeah i mean he also got yeah he got the full-on like announced with like the class people, which is definitely usually means you're in it. Also, speaking of that, recently similar got that announcement was Aja Pereira, um, but hers even came back, you know, deeper than that, saying that she's a referee, which sucks ass. Yeah, and then and then we should mention that Killer Cross is a uh, part of this class too. Killer which, Cross like, also yeah, part of this class. Yes, yeah, really, really weird. Like Killer Cross, everyone everyone knew that he was WWE bound, and like good for him. I've never been a big Killer Cross fan, but like. Since coming across him back in 2016, you know, the guy has found ways to market himself and 
get himself into prominent positions, whether it was Lucha Underground, AAA, eventually, eventually Impact, and now WWE. Like this guy, like he 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 knows he knows how to get himself into a company. Yeah, I mean his maneuvering between Impact to to WWE was a. Uh... I'll say a little bit annoying. <laughs> I'll say that he was a little bit brash. He was a little bit out there in the open, complaining openly. Him and his, I guess, significant other in Scarlet Bordeaux complaining about wanting to be let go from Impact to go to WWE pretty vocally. For what is, for what is worth, there was like there was like some shit going on in Impact, which is like why they left. Like it wasn't right. like a big like we're making a big stink about our contracts. It was like a yeah, some shit happened. We need to go. <laughs> Right, which is, I mean, which is fair, but they were being pretty, uh, pretty vocal and making a big stink, which is definitely, you know, if it's a bad situation, sure, you gotta, you gotta stand up for yourself in some ways, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Thatcher being gone, like I said, even just a couple of days ago, Thatcher leaving the Indies was something that had me really broken up, and I was like thoroughly depressed about it. Um, I don't know, how did you take the news when you were first hearing it? Um, I guess I had I didn't have as like as much of a visceral negative reaction as much as like you did. I know our pal Jamesy did over at uh, the British Wrestling Experience over on Post or any number of our of our friends in the Slack chat like they were super broken up about this and like I'm 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 very part of that too. But um, while Thatcher is one of my favorite wrestlers ever immediately I was able to compartmentalize and realize like that's just 37 and it isn't like we got robbed of this man's prime or whatever the fuck or whatever the fuck was going on and like I started to like appreciate more of the fact that like yeah like that's just gonna be gone in the way that we know him and you know like God, like God willing, the guy has a successful WWE run but like just based on how he works and what his strengths are and all that and the track record of WWE booking people based off their strengths isn't very good. So I'm, I don't have much faith in Thatcher having a great WWE career, but I, I was able to come in and realize like this guy has really overachieved in his time in wrestling. And you know, if, the, if the, like, it's not like this 20 was this 2015 fresh off of WrestleMania weekend, uh, facing Chris hero, Mercury rising. And, Oh, Timothy Thatcher signed. It's not that. It's a guy that's accomplished it all and has really gone been able been able to go out there and like really like do everything that he wanted to do. And from that perspective, like once I thought about it, I got over the initial sadness pretty quickly and was like, you know what? Like, if anyone's gonna sign at this stage, like I'm glad that Thatcher got to do everything he wanted to do before before heading out. Yeah, which is very fair. I you know I made the comparison and I think it's it's kind of a weird apt one but just the weird situation that we have with um matt riddle getting signed up by wwe because of you know there being the rumors and the hinting that there is a good chance that new japan was interested in signing him at least bringing him over for a tag for the tag uh tag league and then yeah, I, think, I think it's supposed to be him him and Cobb coming in for the tag league I think. yeah yeah and then so then wwe wants him and then we got the inverse here with thatcher had the op- offer on the table for a long time to go to WWE whenever he felt like it. And then once he finally gave up on the idea of New Japan taking him, he uh, he went he went and he jumped in. So yeah, 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 let's talk about that a little bit. Um, That one. So you can attest to this, like for months in like even like I guess like like I guess like a year plus at this point. 
I've I've said in the chat that really the only thing Thatcher had left to do was go to Japan. Right. I I just didn't know where in Japan exactly that would be. Uh, it's kind it's kind of a shame though. Like people have like people like rightfully have like have some points about New Japan being overcrowded and if WWE is overcrowded then what do you say New Japan is and you know it, it is it's it is fair criticism but it's just hard for me to imagine New Japan not being interested in the guy when you possibly have Lance Art Lance Archer leaving you have um Dave Davy Boy Smith is gone Taichi is getting like this new push but he's he's almost he's almost 40 it's this seemed like a guy perfect to put in yeah. Suzuki go there was and, room. There was definitely room for him. Yeah, like that, like that, like that's the part that's tripping me out. Is that that's a perfect Suzuki Goon guy. He doesn't have to be pushed. Doesn't have to do anything. He can be like, you know, put him in that little mix of of, of Minoru Suzuki and Zack and, and and Thatcher. And I think that like if even if Thatcher is the low man on, on the totem pole there, I think Thatcher very much fits into Suzuki Goon too. So I like so that was that was interesting to me that. It seemed it like from what from what is out there, the New Japan wasn't interested in the guy, right? And I mean, you think about it, but someone like John Moxley, who 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 knows how long he is for New Japan? Really, he's got you know he's got flexibility and he can continue to work there. But Thatcher can fit into a role similar to John Moxley's very easily. He may not have the same star power, but I don't think it takes much to make him into a star in New Japan if you really wanted to. And on top of that, I mean, there was you know when when before Moxley debuted there was the 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 video promos that people were saying could have been oh is that going to be chris brooks you know um thatcher could have fit in like again into that kind of mold and then the same thing chris brooks and ddt you're telling me like if chris brooks is getting over in ddt thatcher couldn't do the same thing in ddt i think he easily could thatcher's a guy who gets overlooked i think people people really are easily worked and i think especially when someone like thatcher who his work is kind of the antithesis of what you think of a work or at least what a lot of people think of as a work there we talked about it like people overlook how good thatcher was at selling because they were like you know oh he's just so boring and it's like you're not paying attention to what he's actually doing he's at and like oh all he does is this grapple stuff and it's like actually what he does best is his selling his facials and his selling and his engagement and his personality stuff is what he's the best at but you easily overlook it because it's not what you're used to and the same thing thatcher is not some fucking boring dry milk toast guy thatcher is a crust punk from the fucking from NorCal who's like into like you know hard rock music he's into the same shit that Darby Allen is into honestly like you know they're both like very similar kind of dudes he was doing death matches when he first started getting into wrestling he you know he there's plenty of people reporting about what he did as his job and oh he had a good job or whatever but he worked for like an aquatic center you know like he spent his time out on the river taking people on rowboats basically like that was what he did he helped preserve nature so he's not like this cabin mountain man who's just dry and has no personality. He's also could be very funny. So he easily plays a straight man in a DDT setting and can play like, he's very good at that kind of stuff as well. Like people really, it's the same thing with Suzuki. I think people overlook Suzuki, uh, Minoru Suzuki, that is to make it clear being a really good comedy worker as well. And people probably who are, you know, hearing about him having this match with the orange Cassidy coming up, think like, what does that mean? And these are people who have never seen, you know, Suzuki versus Mecha Mummy or something, and they don't know, like, 
there there's a straight man that's how comedy works right you know the comedy there's a straight man and that's part of how comedy yeah so works. like like the like the, the antics bounce off of this person and yes. you're like okay like how like how is this how's this person gonna be, be in this in this situation like yeah like any comedy movie has that <laughs> yeah and thatcher is a guy and to do that to play that role you have to understand comedy because you have to understand what's funny about reacting to to comedy in a way that's entertaining for people on the outside looking in to say, oh my God, it's fucking crazy that this guy is re- reacting to this comedy this way, rather than just the normal visceral reaction that you would have to comedy, you know, which most people have. You're able to, you're, you're able to understand comedy so well that not only do you appreciate the point of the joke, but you also appreciate what reaction to the joke would be funnier. You know, that's like something that's very difficult and takes, you know, understanding of something to break it down that way. So it's really easy to look at Thatcher. Oh, he's dry. He has no personality. He wouldn't fit in in, in DDT. But he, of course he would. Of course he easily would. You know, like he could do deathmatch stuff as well. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he had hardcore yeah, matches. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm really just I'm, now it makes me wonder is that was New Japan like the only Japanese company that he was reaching out to? Well, like, like, like that, that, that's the, I haven't, I haven't seen anything on that. So that's like, that's what I'm thinking of here because again, like Chris Ridgeway got in the Noah. So it's like, right. it's hard, it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine that like Thatcher couldn't have gotten some Noah tours or spot right. or like, or, or like spun something into like, a, a, into a big Japan tour or something like that. So it, it makes me wonder, was, was Thatcher only reaching out to new Japan? And if so, was Thatcher looking for a full-time new Japan deal, which yeah. I think is a really interesting thing there because Thatcher full time in New Japan, like him, like you know, possibly moving to Japan or or whatever, whatever he would have had going on. Like I think, I think that would have been a very interesting thing there, and it would kind of align with like Thatcher's taste in wrestling historically. Like you know, like something that I've uh, that I've said about Zach in the past is I think Zach has this um. Had, like what part of why Zach's so popular in New Japan is I think Zach plays to a plays to a crowd in a in a fan base that hasn't really had anyone that does the kind of style of wrestling Zach has done in years and years and years, which is why I think why like why Zach is always going to be a popular guy in New Japan as long as he's there and Thatcher even more so than Zach because Thatcher is much more bare bones in the way that like. Anoki was and where like Zach is more so the flashy guy that's doing stuff no one's ever seen like Thatcher give him some time and I think he would have been a I think it would have been a pretty over guy in New Japan yeah no definitely I mean um Zach definitely we've talked about it in the past with comparisons like to, to Johnny Saint or something but I mean when he's in Japan he, he plays kind of the Billy Robinson kind of vibe and they always really loved him there but if you think of Thatcher Thatcher is more like gotch that Thatcher could have played kind of like a Carl Gotch kind of um, kind of character. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally like you're like you're spot you're spot on there with like Robinson and Gotch and like that would have worked. Like, why are these guys? You tell me Thatcher could have been Suzuki Goon, man. Yeah, no, I know. Like that's the like that's the bare fucking minimum there. Like I understand that Thatcher isn't as big of a star as someone like Zack Saber Jr. when Zack first came in, and like that's understandable because as much as we love Thatcher, we could admit that. Thatcher didn't really take like the steps everyone else took in order to make himself a star. Thatcher did Thatcher, Thatcher did his own thing his own way on his own time, and that created like a respectable like name for himself. But he wasn't like 
promoting himself on social media and just being super active everywhere the way like the way like Zach was the way like Zach became sort of like the number one guy on the indies and at least at least in 2017 in my opinion and you could argue 2016 and Thatcher just isn't just Thatcher just isn't that so at the bare minimum like I think Suzuki I think Suzuki Kun Suzuki Kun could have been a thing there but yeah, I, I don't know that that one like hurt my feelings more than anything. Like I was able to accept the Thatcher news pretty quickly and accept it for what it is, and more like more be thankful for the years of Thatcher that we got. But the New Japan thing that re- that really was like, oh, like fuck, like we we could have had that instead. Yeah, and that's what he wanted to do, you know. And and again, I mean, you mentioned it, but the the idea that Thatcher couldn't have gone anywhere else in Japan is. It feels laughable because I just talked about the connections that he had DDT with Schadenfreude through, through Chris Brooks, um, the connection to Noah. You talked about uh, you know um, Ridgeway going to Noah, but also how many MLW wrestlers just recently showed up in Noah, and Thatcher had a connection to MLW. So if they were bringing people over, he could have easily done that within the same time period that all this is going on. Walter shows up in Big Japan through you know big japan's previous connections to wxw well who the fuck yeah, is the yeah, wxw yeah, champion yeah, like thatcher so tons yeah, of connections yeah yeah, and I'm, yeah and I'm sure that fucking um i'm sure i'm sure that sakamoto like is very is very aware of who timothy thatcher is and like yes you know, and, and could have like helped and, and like help like help get, like, get those two parties linked up so it's just so fascinating to me that it, it seems like thatcher was all in on new japan and that he didn't really consider any other company which like it just it, it just doesn't sound like Thatcher, but again, like he he's a guy that was getting up there in age, and I guess he want, he wanted to settle down now, and yeah. you know going on going on thirty seven years old, he wanted he wanted that New Japan deal, and they weren't gonna give they weren't gonna give it to him. Maybe they weren't it, it, the way his phrase is like to make it seem like they weren't interested at all, and maybe they just weren't giving Thatcher what he was what he was looking for, and that's and that's what, and that's what turns it into the, the WWE deal, but. Yeah, I think it was Thatcher realizing with his age and his and his place and time in wrestling and wanting to eventually settle down now. Right, and I mean there was even and even on top of all the things I just talked about, there was even re- up until recently a rumor that Thatcher would be making a, an appearance in Champion Champions Carnival. So who knows what validity there was? Uh, to yeah, that. I t- I t- it just totally blanked on all Japan there too. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I, remember, so, I remember that one flying around. Yeah, so that was going around. There's a lot of talk. So he was known about. There was definitely connections, and there's definitely promotions that would have known about. It. But again, the comparison that I made, Matt Riddle, it's like very similar because how long. Was there the rumors about all the, you know, why is Riddle not showing up in these Japanese promotions? It seems like they should be into him. And there was, you know, the stuff even coming directly from him that he was like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck is up. I mean, when he was doing that short-lived podcast with Sean Rossap, um, that was like the only fightful thing that I've ever paid attention to because I really, I really enjoyed hearing Riddle kind of be fucking ridiculous, which he totally was. Um, like he even said it, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, I really don't understand why, you know, Japan is not interested in me. There was rumors that Japanese companies were a little bit worried about his, you know, his affinity for marijuana. Um, and which, what... which, which I, think, I think was a real thing. Yeah, which could be an issue. Like, especially in the wake of, like, that's not too, like, far off from, like, Matt Seidel's issues. So right. I, I can I can imagine that was a real thing. Yeah, and at the time, he was pretty known for being an idiot. Like, even Seidel... I don't think historically is thought of as being as much of a fucking bonehead as Matt Riddle is. So if Seidel gets himself caught, what do you think is going to happen to Riddle's dumbass? Right. But yeah, so so that comparison point with at the same time with all that stuff with Riddle, and then it was as soon as there was the okay, New Japan's going to take the risk, and then he pops over there. So 
th- those comparison points are really interesting between the two because it, it it does it just it's so odd the way that Japan played this weird factor for both guys. Um, but a comparison that kind of came into my head <laughs> to Riddle when I talked about how I'm not as bummed out as I was just recently about that journey and, and I talked about seeing a lot of wrestling. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the a- AIW show from uh, I think it was from last night, uh, Built to Last. No, I didn't. I didn't get to see. I didn't get a chance to see any of that. But um, from the like two shows that were going on on IWTV, I, I managed to catch the main event from Freelance, yeah. which was Kylie Kylie versus Robert Anthony. But I didn't. I didn't see any any, any of AIW yet. Yeah. So I won't give too much uh, spoilers or anything. But the comparison point that I I got was you know semi main event of the match of the show was Jeff Cobb versus Tom Lawler, and just thinking about what Riddle became versus the Dream version of riddle that i wanted and what Cobb has kind of become versus the dream version of what Cobb i always wanted you know and i've i've always been a pretty big fan of his and enjoyed him quite a bit right there's no you know there's no secret to that people know that about me and, and my fandom there but the thing is is that neither one of them really became my dream for what they would be which is like this grappling machine who brings in a lot of technical wrestling personality all that kind of stuff like watching that match and and it, it hit me it's like Cobb just sells too too fucking much. Like he just sells the whole goddamn time, basically. And then he's like, in some ways, he's like a spot wrestler. Like he sells his ass off a bunch, and then he just hits a few big strikes and maybe some big throws, like just token high spots, and that's about it. And misses a lot of the connective tissue in there. And that's kind of the same thing that happened to Riddle that made me not like him as much. The thing about Riddle is, I think that he's more popular overall because he's people really like him. He's got more charisma, and he and his selling, I think, is more dynamic to to kind of broad base of people. But in and, that, and, 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 I, and I think like Riddle's fireworks are more spectacular too, because like while like Jeff Cobb is amazing in like a Scott Steiner way, like Riddle is, you know, he he gets to NXT and next thing you know, this dude's doing fucking backflips and, and right. spiral taps. Like so, it's like like so his spectacular even kind of goes like be, go, even goes beyond like what Jeff Cobb can be with his best fireworks. Yeah, I mean even still, Jeff, I mean Jeff Cobb doesn't go up top, but he does fucking moonsaults. You know what I mean? So yeah, people, yeah. people overlook what he can do. And, and again, it's he's got a body type that's not it just doesn't come across impressive like with the stuff that he does. His 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 throws and his suplex are really cool for just how strong you know he is, but it's really hard to necessarily always appreciate that. And then when he does his flips and stuff, I can understand why people don't get into it just because he doesn't look as dynamic. But but Riddle does, and that's why Riddle it works. But it was funny because in that match, he's he's wrestling Tom Lawler, and and I kind of thought about it. And I'm like, Tom Lawler is like the the dream that I had for Riddle and Cobb. Tom Lawler is that guy. Like he, yeah, he, he Tom is very much your guy. Yeah, and like he, everything that you want. <laughs> he does all the grappling. He he plays homage to his shoot background. He's still got the personality. He can sell big. He's a walking tall baby face, which is not something that I historically love, but he pulls it off really well. And so that whole thing, I was just like, oh, that's so funny to think about the dichotomy between those three guys and just like how the two guys who I really hoped that I would get that from. And then the guy that I really didn't think much of because he just kind of came out of nowhere and came back to wrestling from UFC and then really hit that sweet spot for me. So I'll just recommend people check that match out. It kicked ass two matches that happened or a match that happened on that show, Lee Moriarty versus Alex Shelley submission match um, was phenomenal. And a match that really mirrored it in the tone, which was veteran versus, uh, versus like a uh, protege or, or someone, you know, building up to their level in uh, Dan Makabe versus Liza Hall. Both happened last night. Um, obviously Makabe and Hall happened in three to one battle. So the, no, no, they're not happening on the same show, but uh, definitely recommend both matches. They really, really kicked ass for that kind of, and that's why I say just a few days ago, the Thatcher news, 
was gutting me. But having seen those two matches and seen these two wrestlers who I am like easily invested in still and younger wrestlers learning from people who I really like, Alex Shelley, Dan Makabe, two wrestlers who I think are great. And they're not just paying lip service to them. They're like people who are legitimately having great matches with them where they're, they're paying deference to the greatness of these wrestlers who are, you know, one definitely, I think historically undervalued for just how great he really is. And Alex Shelley and another one who's just barely starting to get his due. And I can't say as much, you know, has been, you know, criminally overlooked forever because it's not as if he's been on major platforms in Dan Makabe, but it does make me go, okay, like there is, there is still something for me to get invested in. And it's not that hard for me to care, but the real thing that helped write the ship for me for how bummed I was in thinking about, Oh, there's just no way that I can really give a shit about pro wrestling now with Thatcher gone. Cause I was just like, I just don't have the energy to commit was I, I pulled up the IWTV and I was looking at the, you know, new shows just added. And there was a, a new show from paradigm pro wrestling that was called uh, so far gone. Right. And I don't know if you got a chance to check it out, but I, I, I saw a few matches on there and I got really excited by the, like the, I, the concept of them happening. And it's younger people, people who are just starting to kind of get their names out there. And I was just really hyped to see it you know even not even younger but even just people who are just starting to get their names out there plus people who've been around for a bit and i just got so excited and i was like you know what like it's fine i I was bummed out i was sad about thatcher but there is still young interesting talent on the on these smaller shows that i'm really you know excited to see grow and develop and i'm even even it's not even about just seeing them grow and develop there are also ones that i'm just excited to see like they are already at the level where I think that they're great and they're not really, it's not even really about seeing them continue to grow. Even if they are one of, one of which who was on the show in Dominic Greeny. Like I think Dominic Greeny is fucking fantastic. I don't really think he needs to grow into being any better than he is, but he still kind of is in a lot of ways. He is still getting better. So I don't know if you saw anything about this show or if you saw the show at all. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see anything about this, but like to piggyback off of your point there, it's like, <laughs> I understand, like, how, especially with Thatcher in particular, how kind of hopeless it feels that, like, Thatcher, like, the guy that really, like, you kind of, like, latch on to, like, no, nah, like, every, like, everyone else can sign, they can be cowards, and they can do all this stuff, but we have, like, we have Thatcher, like, Thatcher's gonna stay with us, and, you know, almost, like, sort of, like, selfishly, like, we sort of, like, attach ourselves to, th- uh, like, attach ourselves to, uh, attach ourselves to, uh, to Thatcher there, and, you know, our ideals, and, our beliefs and our desires onto like on Timothy Thatcher and you know Thatcher did turn him down for five years but that doesn't mean that Thatcher was like ah oh, fuck WWE I don't need WWE like for all for all this he just didn't want to go there he just didn't feel like the time was right didn't feel like whatever like he didn't feel like he wanted to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish yet and I think like other than like writing the uh the little article I did on uh on Thatcher and sort of like an introductory project to a project, uh, introductory uh, piece to the project I'm going to do on Thatcher and Jumbo Saruta simultaneously. But the better wrote about Thatcher there, like, like I come to I come to understood it, and it's it's when you talked about like just like coming to grips with it, and then like throwing on some other shows and being excited about what's still going on, and you know like freelance freelance wrestling drew a record house last night having Kylie Ray on top facing facing Robert Anthony and Lee Moriarty versus Alex Shelley 
and and the end of their trilogy and Tom Law and Tom Lawler still being around. And we've talked about the Pacific Northwest scene and and Icky and and Beef Boy and and Liza Hall and Sharif Morrow and Travis Williams and and no, and, no, and those people and still people like I, IFHY still trying to find their footing and people like Cole Radrick still getting better and beyond and what and what the future holds for them. It's I get it. Thatcher and what he meant to us is a big fucking blow. And I'm not someone that's going to sit there and tell you that the Indies are going to replenish themselves. It's always going to get better. It's always going to get better. You know, I can't convince you of that. But what I can tell you is that I'd, I'd much rather, like, be thankful for the time I got to spend with Timothy Thatcher and give that same, like, effort and love and care into raising up the new pool of talent and, like, other talent that's going to get shots in the wake of someone like Thatcher, who was so consistently on every show and like, and do that instead of, you know, just being miserable and upset about it. Like LJ Cleary, who has been really like the singles guy for more than hype, but like the last couple of years and really the more than hype name is getting, it gets more recognized and LJ Cleary is a singles guy, but LJ Cleary's had a, had has had a fantastic first first two months between his Kyle Fletcher match in progress and then his David Starr match from the Contender Show. I'm really excited about LJ Cleary, and like I said, as I get knowing that Timothy Thatcher isn't gonna isn't gonna be on the Indies anymore, and the iteration we get of Timothy Thatcher in NXT just isn't gonna be the same. I I, I, I still found myself getting getting excited, like thinking about what other wrestling is going on there and. I guess I guess that's all I can, that's all I can say to people. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm I'm with you, and and you talked about all that stuff, and I'll just kind of just shout out a couple things, like I said from that that Paradigm Pro show that that definitely like made me positive is, you know, like I said, just looking at it on paper, the matches that were exciting for me were like Sean Kemp versus Brett Eisen. Even if it's not in SUP, it's like it, it could still be decent. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, um, Tankman versus Shire. Calvin Tankman versus Thomas Shire, two guys who I think are definitely... Calvin Tankman's going to be a big name. He's, yep. <laughs> he's he going to be a big name. Yeah. Um, Cole Radrick versus Dom Guarini. Um, Trey Lamar versus Zay Washington. Nolan Edwards versus John Wayne Murdoch in like a deathmatch adjacent hardcore match with a bunch of doors and stuff. So I was looking at it and I'm like, God damn, like, this looks like a good show. I, I pop it on and all the matches are relatively quick, snappy, and enjoyable. And they all keep delivering and then i get to shire and tankman and that's really the only one that i'll you know get into too in depth here but it's like it's so funny you know there's the statistics that they say that like uh you know young black men uh, stereotypically get treated as if they're older than they are and you know like black children get treated like they're adults when they're still kids and that's a negative when it comes to policing and 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 the courts and all of that stuff. But for Calvin Tankman, it's a positive because he comes out here and he's about six or seven years younger than Thomas Shire. And he looks like he could, you know, he could be older than him because he looks like a full grown badass fucking man. And he's like, you know, how, old, how, how old, how old is Tankman? Tankman's 25, you know, and, Shit, and yeah, Shire's okay, like 32, yeah. <laughs> but Tankman looks like he's been wrestling for just as long as Shire. He looks like a fucking badass. He doesn't look like a kid at all. And 25 is, you know, for you is old, but to me, I'm like 25 is still a baby, but Tankman looks fucking monstrous and like historically for me the beer fight or bar fight or whatever they call them where the two guys sit in a chair and and trade shots back and forth i fucking hate but tankman and shire doing that shit in the crowd here was fucking nutty the big spots the wild brawl i mean i don't like walk and brawl around the arena but these guys the 
this match fucking owned. Like, I would definitely recommend people check this out. It's this small little building. Everything else on the card goes by really quick and is enjoyable. Like, you can watch the whole show, but this match is, was the standout of the show. I mean, these guys came across, like, they're they're the beasts. They said the Haas fight, like, this felt like a Haas fight. These are the beasts of the indie wrestling scene right now. From, you know, from this region, um, specifically, definitely, like, you know, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, like, and and we're there out here in Indiana, like, kind of, I guess that's, is that the, the Midwest, I guess people call that kind of area? Um, but these guys are like, you know, these are your big beefy fuckers that you want to see on these shows, just having these hard hitting badass brawls. So I definitely recommend people take, check that out. And yeah, I mean, I'm bummed and, and Shire's not young, you know, Shire's 32, 33. Like he's like around my age, which is old as shit, um, <laughs> for wrestling at least. And for being someone who no one knows. And like, he's coming into his own too. He's developing. And then you got Tankman who's coming into his own. So there is stuff to enjoy in wrestling still, like, like we're kind of saying there. But you mentioned it, and you saw it, <laughs> at least the main event, and, and about drawing big houses, bigger than ever houses with local talent, freelance wrestling, uh, last night, send in the clowns. We could just talk about the main event a little bit, I'll let you talk about it. Kylie Ray versus Robert Anthony. A match on paper, we had already talked about it, exciting on paper in some ways, especially for the region. Locally, it feels like something that the crowd would get into, but... I think that this, even for us both being pretty positive on it compared to where we could have been, I think it over-delivered. What did you think? Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat here. And, like, again, I understood why people were, like, oh, Frank the Clown and, like, the main, or like, like you know, in align with the main event picture. So it's immediately an eye-rolly thing. But, again, when I'm looking at it, in Frank the Clown gets a lot of heat. Robert Anthony gets a lot of heat. Kylie Ray gets a lot of cheers. It, like, it's just, like, that's just, like, typical you know, standard prototypical, like pro wrestling shit that like most cheered heel versus most hated. He, uh, I mean, most cheer, most cheer baby face versus most hated heel. Like that's going to create a really awesome atmosphere. And it did in, you know, just like a lot, like the storytelling in it of Robert Anthony, just being this fucking tank and Kylie Ray, no matter how much she fought and tried, she just could, she just could not overcome this dude. And then she showed flashes of that aggressiveness that she had versus Kobe Durst, where, where when Kylie's backed into a corner, she fights with she fights with her life well, like her life depends on it. And sometimes you'll see you'll see her do things that the old Kylie never did. And and like in this match, it comes in the form of Kylie just smashing this guy's fucking head in with with this uh with the with these guard with this guardrail with this piece of the guardrail and this insane blade job that Robert, that Robert Anthony does and again it milks every little bit of the atmosphere Kylie's fire is is so, is so good and like one of the best like, it, like I, I'll be shocked if anything tops that blade job that Robert Anthony did and it's just really great old school pro wrestling shit that again if you if you were someone that I rolled it just because Frank the Clown was involved I totally get it but you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not watch that match because that was really great stuff and left the door open to come back for another, for another match down the line. And I don't think that match could have gone any better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on everything about that. And I think that the thing, I mean, we both were on the same page when we kind of previewed the match coming up for sure. And that we both agreed that like, it was, it's the right call. You've got a guy who historic, who has history there playing kind of the second fiddle to the, to the biggest heel manager in the company going up against the loved babyface. I mean, this is 
textbook WWE eighties wrestling drawing cards. You know, this is Hulk Hogan feuding with the Heenan family for decades. You know, this is there's a there's a reason why this drew so much. Yeah, there's a reason why this was a huge house. It drew well. Historically, this works. But even with us both saying that, I'll say this very clearly to the people who are haters and, and are saying fuck the clown. And I get it because I don't like him either. I think that he's obnoxious. I think he's really fucking annoying. But from the beginning, that was kind of my opinion on him, but the proof is in the goddamn pudding, and while I couldn't stand him and thought it was bullshit that he backdoored his way into wrestling, and who the fuck is booking this guy, and why are they treating him like he matters, he's delivering, he's got fucking heat, and this match, even for me, I'll say it, I'm fucking, I'm a convert here, I used to think he was bullshit, fuck the clown, this match was fine, whatever, until Frank the Clown got involved, and then the shit went through the fucking roof. Like, when he got involved and he grabbed Kylie's foot to block her from the kick on the apron, that's when the crowd goes nuts. That's when the action turned up, the aggression, the violence, him getting ejected from the building, the wildness. Everything went through the fucking roof. The match, tone, everything from this match went from just, this is fine, to this is a fantastic fucking match. This is an all-time babyface performance for the year. This blade job, like you talked about, was fucking gruesome. Like... The only blade job that could come close is if we have another accidental blood, like with the Shire versus Gary J match or something in the year, like we had last year. Like, yeah, this blade job was fucking gruesome looking. And the way that not even just like the blood, but the way that Anthony reacted to the blood and the way that he acted after the blood and the way that it was just like, you know, he's got this long torso and like kind of big, like clean canvas of a chest to just be covered in this blood that was like smattered across him in a really visceral and really honestly like disgusting but pleasing way that was like yeah i mean this match fucking ruled and and in in, in, in in kylie's selling of the whole situation where like once she realizes what she's done she's like oh what the fuck like i didn't i didn't mean to do that and but again like kylie is so like over the edge and filled with emotion she hates robert anthony she hates and she hates frank the clown but she also is coming from a place where she does not want to lose the freelance title ever again that is the thing that means the most to her in the world. So you're seeing her with when she has the chair and you're like, oh man, like she's about to smash this dude's fucking head in. But again, like smiley Kylie, she's like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. But then as you know, Robert, Robert Anthony tries to take advantage of her again. That's when she just fucking face washes the dude in the corner and just like cannonball and cannonball and cannonball. And just like the storytelling that you're getting out of Kylie Ray this year. It's, it's, she's so great and I, I know that i picked her for like my 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 dark horse like wrestler wrestler of the year person but yeah. god damn that performance last night was just fucking incredible and yeah. like back to frank the clown again i get it but let's be real here the dude the dude has done the work yep he's done the work he stayed around freelance for a couple of years now like he, he's he's worked his way up into being in a he's worked his way up into being this guy it's not like they just like they just like pushed him super hard out the gate or whatever he was doing undercard shit you got to give it to him the guy did work his way up in this company and that doesn't mean you gotta like like his personality or think he's not annoying or he's a fucking weirdo or whatever but if you're if you're still one of those people that think that frank the clown is just like ah like someone was booking him because they're a fucking mark for the clown or whatever no the dude worked his way up and like you can't deny the dude really anymore Right. Yeah, that's what I say. The proof is in the in the pudding there. And he's not even just that you can't deny that he worked hard. You can't deny that he's over. I mean, the crowd yeah. give him the most heat out of anybody on the show. Like he's 
he 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 works i mean he he's just he works he's over he's drawing obviously he's drawing he was part of the drawing card for the main event here and it's the biggest house in freelance history is that is that the exactly what they're saying or at least either that or it's just it's huge you know like yeah so he's a draw he's over so you just have to fucking accept it man all right, is that, is that it for like the little like catch-all indie segment there? Uh, yeah, that feels good to me. I've been enjoying doing these kind of these catch-up indie segments weekly. I guess. Oh, you know what? Post-match. Did you? You didn't. I don't know if you saw the post-match situation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I saw the post-match. Okay, Craig. Craig Mitchell returned. So I, I don't know. I mean, this is freelance. So that's his home promotion. So don't know if that means he's back to wrestling or if it was just for this angle. But uh, I'm hoping it's back to wrestling. We'll see. Yeah, and then like you know. You know me, like you know me, like I, I look forward a lot of the time. In wrestling, that's how my brain, that's how my brain works. Like something will be going on, I'm like, okay, like, well, what's the next thing? Right. And while this Kylie Robert Anthony thing is going on, while they can eat, they, they, they can realistically squeeze another match out of this, I'm like, man, imagine if they fucking turn Craig Mitchell again and did Kylie versus Craig Mitchell. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Remember, like before, like before Robert Anthony really was like you know hitting hitting his stride with frank the clown and you know we all know about isaiah's run there but like pete craig mitchell he'll run freelance turning on kylie and if he turned on kylie ray ooh, yeah. that that could be some good shit there he could be right back to being the top heel in the company and maybe one of the top heels on the indies honestly like he was before he he stepped back and the thing that crosses my mind as he's standing there holding the freelance title to hand it back to kylie and i know it's it's major symbolism to be like oh you know he wants that title but thing that crosses my mind is there was another title that was defended on the same show that he never got his earned title shot for which was the iwtv title so i mean before mitchell you know took the the step away he was the number one contender for the iwtv title and he never got his title shot so there is kind of like fuck if he is returning i want to see that i want to see him getting his title shot there i want to see him wrestling kylie i want i'm excited hopefully he is coming back and it wasn't just an angle thing we'll see all right, I think well, I think, I think from... I'll feel good leaving that leaving it off there, yeah. and uh, like real like realistically, even now because like you know like like for like fair warning, we're recording this um like eight hours before um the new beginning in Osaka show is supposed is supposed to happen. So we'll like do a, like a we'll actually we'll do like somewhat of a review when we do when we do the show next week for new beginning in Osaka. So right now we only like we only cherry picked a little bit of stuff from Sapporo. So you want to go ahead and just, yeah, and I was just run through say, some of that? Because I I think I may have watched less than you. I'll let you uh just run the run the the thing and if we get to matches that I saw, I'll talk about them and if it's a match I didn't see, you can talk about it yourself. All right, yeah, no no problem no problem for me. Uh we the, the first the first night of the new, of new beginning in Sapporo. Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you, I didn't like really as much some of the bigger tags, Kenta and Jay White versus Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. No one really showed up to work there, especially in in regards to like Kenta and Naito. They were just sort of fucking around on the outside. And but Jay White and Sonata, uh, man, I know it's gonna sound some kind of way coming from me, considering that I had a Jay White match as my number two match of the year. <laughs> that I had a Jay White that I had Jay White as my number two wrestler of the year. So it's gonna sound you know like typical coming from me, but I. I the more I see it, I don't dislike Jay White versus Sonata on paper anymore, man. That it could be all right. That, 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 was my, that was my main takeaway there. I don't know if you saw that. I I did, I did, and I'm I'm with you, and I can see it. Um, you know, obviously Kenta Naito. 
I was, I mean, this show was weird because a lot of the undercard setup tags I was excited for, like, uh, you know, Robbie Eagles and Ryu Lee versus, uh, versus the LIJ team. I was like, okay, that, that'll be interesting. It really was. That was the second, that, that was the second batch, second best match on the show, I thought. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was, it was good, but I was expecting maybe coming out of it feeling a little bit more hype. The match itself was good, but it didn't have, like, it didn't feel like a lot of build. And then this match felt like it was another one where i was like excited to see how they helped build to the singles matches and the sonata j white they did a great job kenta naito they really didn't and it feels like they're getting more heat on their match from posting a selfie than they are from you know this tag team match helping set up the the match so we'll see um moving forward there but yeah i'm with you i think that sonata and j white and i i mean i'm obviously high on j white not as high as you but you know i'm high on him and sonata i may be lower on than you even like i i cannot fucking stand Sonata and haven't been able to stand Sonata even from like Wrestle 1 days you know like I, I've never liked him so like yeah but for me coming out of this I'm like yeah this will be a fun match I could actually see it and and it's interesting because I've never thought of Sonata as being able to play babyface well but Jay White feels like such a good goddamn heel that he'll actually make it work that's what I'm saying is that like my my main issue with current Sonata is that he tries to be what everybody else is when he's wrestling them. So when he's Okada, he wants to be the master of reversals and the master of the drop kick and, and, all, and all this kind of stuff. When he's Tanahashi, he likes to wrestle on the mat with them and do all that kind of stuff. Same thing with Zack. He likes to wrestle on the mat with Zack. When he's facing Minoru Suzuki, he likes to th- sit there and throw strikes with them and with with Kota Ibushi or Will Ospreay, then he wants to trade athletic spots with them. He's you know the jack-of-all-trades guy that can do whatever with anybody. I don't like that because I don't think Sonata is very good at all, uh, very good at all of these things. But when you strip that away and you're facing Jay White, who doesn't have like a clear tendency of it in being a fucking heel, you know, it, it strips away a lot of what I dislike about current Sonata and just makes him be a fucking wrestler that goes up there and does like what should be effective for the match. And, you know, he, he might do some cutesy heel spots to get to get back at Jay, but I'm 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 more willing to take that than Sonata going like sixty forty with Zach on the mat. I'm I, I'm I'm way better with with him doing like a couple of revenge spots on Jay White than than him being like just as good at high flying as Will Osprey. Right. No, that's that's definitely fair, and it does it it work it does work better because yeah, he is kind of getting to be himself, and it's something that I I give credit to a lot of heels when I see them do it well. But Jay White, I mean, he really takes the cake at this. Is he makes sure that his babyface opponent is the one who gets to shine at whatever they're best at and for sonata i mean sonata is phenomenally talented in a lot of different ways physically he's very athletic he's very gifted and stuff that he can pull off and look pretty smooth but when he is going and he's going up against one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet and trying to stand toe-to-toe with them if he is going up against the best kind of for lack of a better word new japan style which means that big counter back and forth long kind of epic style in okada and he's just doing the same thing as okada it makes him pale in comparison he's going up against people who are who are the best at specific things and i'm supposed to believe he's just as good as them and i'm watching it and he's he's not exactly but against someone like jay white he gets to show all that stuff off and jay white doesn't overshadow him in any way because jay white is just busy being a piece of shit heel so for some reason you know this this pairing works out like very well so i am excited to uh, to see where that goes um, Robbie Eagles and Dragon Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi. Robbie Eagles was really fucking good in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was like, and again, me and you, big big Eagles guys. Big, big before Eagles really took off, and people were like, oh man, that Robbie Eagles, really good wrestler. But like, but me, but me and you were talking, we're talking about him before that, and 
yeah, man, I was watching this and I was just like sort of blown away again at how good Robbie is. And then he scores the fall on Bushi. And that's, that's sort of strengthened my, my thinking that I think Hiromu is going to wind up beating Dragon Lee and that this is going to lead to Robbie Eagle coming out for a challenge at some point, whether that's like, um, I don't know, like a, like a, like a Don Taku or some of some other show, whatever the fuck. But yeah, I, I was blown away by, by how good Robbie was going to Okada and Moxley versus Suzuki and Taichi. The Moxley and Suzuki interactions were really fucking good. I was not very encouraged watching Okada and Taichi, but I guess like I, well, I have more thoughts on that when I get to the, when I get to the second night. Ishii versus Evil, like I'll be honest, like this sort of won me over more as the match went on because I think it played into Evil's strengths, which I think Evil is a really good seller. Um, and, and a lot of the way where I think like Timothy Thatcher is a really good seller, but people don't notice it for whatever reason. I think that's actually Evil's best strong suit, and not like his personality or charisma or whatever the fuck. Like, I think Evil's just a really good seller, and. As the match focused more on that down the stretch, I got more into it. But yeah, like I, Evil just still doesn't do it for me, even with the little bit of flashes of uh, what I like most from Evil in this match. I still couldn't get too much in, too into this. Yeah, no, and and I'm with you, and I think that I even you know with my kind of opinion about um, about Ishi kind of makes me less inclined to even like it as much as you do. Um, so yeah, so coming out of it there, I was kind of. The same vibe. It was like the, Ishii did a, what he could, but I just I don't buy the story. Also, like the idea that like, oh Ishii's got Evil's number and he just can't beat him. I just feel like for the way that Ishii is presented overall, I I don't. If if it, it, it feels really forced. Yeah, I can't invest in that story because it's like it's it's saying a guy that basically everybody in the company can beat like a drum. It's like for some yeah, but, reason this one guy can't yeah. beat him and I'm supposed to give a fuck? Like, okay, he's fighting him to see who's the biggest loser, I guess. I don't yeah. Uh the main event though I thought was really I thought was really good. Obviously Goto versus Shingo for the never for the never open weight title. Yeah. Shingo is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's like it's like it's so funny watching this and just like imagining like this guy back in Back in two that back in two thousand six Dragon Gate, and it's like yo, like this guy is still like really fucking good. And in a lot of ways, I'm not gonna say getting like getting better really, because a lot of like the like his same like same like mannerisms that he does now he was doing back in Dragon Gate when he was doing the the heel run in Berserk, but just right now, just the little things that the Shingo does in his matches, and especially the one that stuck with me here is. As we're getting close, getting towards getting towards the closing stretch, and 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 Godo hits Shingo with something that that wind up just Shingo spinning out like just dropping his mouthpiece out of his mouth, and that lead and that leads straight into Godo hitting the GTR, and it's like oh that's such a nice little touch that like that like only a few people would think of, and Shingo's one of those guys, but you don't think of him that way because he's known as a Dragon Gate guy, but Shingo is so fucking smart with just placing little things like that in the match and maybe they'll mean and, and maybe they'll mean something down the line but i really like this i didn't think it was as good as the g1 match but i thought it was better than the match of destruction and yeah yeah man i'm I'm super excited to see what shingo can do with the never never open weight title there's toa hanara maybe, maybe getting a shot at him there's Shotanaka tanaka a setup from the pro a setup from the post match 
maybe a, maybe a clash with Ishii. And I, I think Shingo is exactly who should be holding this belt. I think he should be the guy that represents this belt for the next two for the next two years or so. I think this should be the Shingo division, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. It's honestly the perfect fucking belt for Shingo. Like when you talk about that, because he is a Dragon Gate guy who historically has basically Dragon Gate doesn't have any weight divisions. I mean, you could say that everyone there is juniors, but it's basically Dragon Gate was an open weight promotion. So to have an open weight title with a guy who is able to play big and small as well as Shingo is and be able to wrestle with heavyweights and junior heavyweights historically as well as he can. I mean, who else is more fucking custom made for this belt? I don't think there's anybody in the world. Even people were excited about um, about Osprey having it, but even he doesn't have as really as much experience being able to work, you know, as well with both heavyweights and junior heavyweights as well as Shingo does. I mean, so yeah, I mean, Shingo's the perfect guy for this belt, and I hope he does keep it for a long time. Honestly, even though I do like the idea of seeing Shingo move up to the top, it's like, it's New Japan, and you have to accept that he's not a New Japan born. He's an outsider. Um, you know, much like Matt Riddle in WWE, he's an outsider that just can't be trusted to wrestle the top guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking outsiders. <laughs> I can't, you can't trust him, damn it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's just, this is like the best place for him. He could make this division mean something, and he could probably even get to a point where he makes this belt and this division mean so much that they actually have to take it seriously, unlike what other people have done in the past with the belt. So Shingo is a really popular guy. That's like the, part of it like, too. Like that's, the th- that's the thing about it, is that LIJ in general is on such a level right now. Which, and Shingo was obviously already a star or a, or a marquee name before even coming to New Japan, but right now you have Naito, who's like, you know, we, like, you, like Naito speaks for itself. But then you have Hiromu Takahashi, where if you remember the level that Hiromu was operating at before the neck injury, Hiromu was like the Hiromu was like the semi-main event at New Beginning in Osaka in 2018. Um, yeah, and then right and then and then right here with Shingo, Shingo, I think the more they let him do, the more they let him talk, the more they let him go out there and have great matches, Shingo is only gonna be only gonna get more and more popular and. Yeah, yeah, man. I, Shingo could, I think, could le- do some legitimate business, not just small sh- like small shows, like his, like Azuna Road or whatever. I think Shingo could do legitimate business if they if they gave him a, if they gave him a shot here, like something like Shingo versus Show Tanaka, with how much they've been building that for the last like year and some change. That could do some gen- like that could do some genuine business. I think. Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, and it it's interesting because you do think like he got thrown into Lij almost like to somewhat overshadow him you know you would think that they were like oh well like he's such a big star if we put him in if we just randomly threw him into any other group in new japan he might end up being like the most over most popular guy in the group let's put him in lij so that he doesn't like instantly like overshadow the real stars of the group and in some ways you know it worked out but in other ways it's like actually you know what you ended up doing is just creating kind of a monster where like shingo is still somehow like a huge draw for new japan um lij in general is a fucking like monster of a stable yeah <laughs> like it's like I, I i mentioned it before when we i mentioned it when we were like when the slack was watching a uh, wrestle kingdom live like uh, like as a group like like good like good like four or five of us and i just like threw it out there i'm like like are we sure that lij like shouldn't maybe get voted into the observer hall of fame as a group yeah like, right like just like yeah like just because of how over so many of them are like not not Naito is be one of the biggest stars of the decade. Hiromu could be one of the biggest stars of the 2020s. Same thing for Sonata and same thing for Shingo. Even though he's go, even though he's 36, 37 right now, 
himself in like just in like that's that Ewan is just a fucking juggernaut that I'm not even that I'm not sure we even appreciate yet. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think if you look at it, I mean, you compare even just the two new beginning shows that we're going to talk about. Shingo, underneath him, had a I would say a somewhat weaker underneath card. He doesn't have like a a major title match underneath him um, as his kind of semi main. Um, he he has like he has like the he what he what Shingo has is that he has like the names and interesting tags, but like I, but obviously like Night Two has like an actual like title match with stakes and and everything like that. But but Shingo has like interesting little stuff. But yeah, like it, 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 it's a there's a thing that you could, I, I could go either way on. Yeah, and it's like I'm, he's in the main event wrestling for a title, and his show draws you know about a thousand less fans. And that's basically comparing it to being like he's drawing pretty much on his own compared to Okada on the next night who's drawing yeah, and, with and, go, and going, going against Okada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay. Like I will say like he did pretty pretty good there if you think about him as a draw, like comparatively. We'll just say that for now. What do you think about the match? Oh, I loved the match. I mean, this, this fucking ruled. And Goto's a guy that I can hit or miss on, but Shingo... 2019, 2020, current Shingo. I mean, historically, I've fucking loved Shingo, obviously. Uh, big fan of his for a long, long time already. But he is somehow, like, having some of the best work of his career lately. And it's, yeah, I've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum. But here in, in New Japan, I mean, he is just so fucking good. And, and the back and forth here, the, the wildness of the brawl. Like, I don't know. Shingo can make everything just seem super important. He plays off of everything. You talked about the little detail stuff that he adds into the match that really like gets you invested in stuff and you can see the callbacks coming in. It's so cool the way he could do that again for being a guy who is thought of as coming from Dragon Gate, go, 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 no psychology fed. But it's like, you're just, if, if, if you really believe that you're just not paying attention, Shingo puts so much thought and detail into the stuff that's going on in his matches. There's like, there's definitely a lot of story going on. It's not just go, go, go spot fests, you know? Yeah. Speaking of, Shingo, speaking of Shingo here, while I have you, um, yeah, the the voices the voices of wrestling uh, match of the match of the year poll wrote out. Oh yeah, over the over the, over the last couple of days, and well, one Shingo versus uh, Shingo versus Will Osprey from the best of the Super Juniors finals, uh, domi- dominated the Grapple One Hundred, and that had six hundred nineteen ratings, and the rating itself like it averaged a four point eight seven, which is fucking insane to think about how good that that's like literally a 4.9 so that's basically a five star average amongst six, 700 six, people yeah like that again which is like like these things aren't perfect but that's that's about as like consensus as like anything we have we've ever gotten yeah. on, the, on on like anything like wrestling related and then here and then and then here we go with the with the vow poll and shingo versus will it gets 93 93 total votes 47 first place votes in ten thousand twenty in ten thousand twenty three points, and at it's, number one, that it fucking like nearly eighty percent of ballots. It's on nearly eighty percent of the ballots. Like it's crazy. yeah, nearly 80, nearly eighty percent of the ballots, and it fucking essentially doubled the 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 point total of the number two match, which was Star versus Devlin. And you know, I get it. Like it's, it's super easy to dismiss this as well. Like oh well, this you know the people that use Grapple and the people that listen that do the VOW poll like. Is gonna to skew toward more towards New Japan. I mean, sure, but like skewing all towards the, the same one match, <laughs> right? And I'll and I'll like, say like, that like you know the the VOW fan base, the VOW podcast, even itself, 
they mentioned Devlin versus Star as being good. Obviously, they gave it some due, but they did not lionize it and talk about it the same way that they did Shingo versus Osprey in the like, this is consensus, no question. You know, so for that to come out number two shows that there is some independent thought in the voting base. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. like even stuff like um, you know, Blue Blue Wagner Blue Wagner Junior. I mean, I mean Blue, Blue, yes, Blue, Blue Wagner Junior. Yeah, Blue Demon Blue Demon Junior versus Doctor Wagner Junior. Like that, like that, like that finishing in the top that, that finishing in the top ten, or the Cody versus the Cody versus Dustin match, which they liked, but yeah. they weren't like going crazy for. And like, like, like even Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston, which like neither of them have had in their top tens, and from the jump, neither of them were saying that. Oh, this 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 isn't a thing that me that that we're gonna like as much as other people are gonna like. It's you no know, for one match to just completely just dominate like that. I, like you no, know, you can say whatever you want. Weak year, skewed voter base, whatever. That is an insane feat, I think, for that match. Yeah. And like, kind of kind of speaks to what I'm saying. What I've said in the past few weeks is that I'm not sure that by like 2025, 2026, that people aren't calling Will Ospreay the best wrestler ever. Not because I think that, not because I want that to happen, but because like just at the rate of like how this like Will Ospreay phenomenon is going, that it's very feasible to me. You know, for, for another thing, like like the, like again, the Grapple has the ratings from from the Wrestle Kingdom shows from this year, and. Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi in the in in, in that and like the the rating for that is like a four point seven six right now between like six hundred ratings, and then the one from maybe even be more rating it might be like fucking seven hundred or eight hundred, and then there's the Naito versus Okada match that is at, is at like a four point eight four, and that has like a, like a like a good amount less ratings than that one, and I'm like dude like. Who's to say that Will Ospreay versus Takahashi doesn't fucking dominate the poll next year? And it's like I think just Will Ospreay in, in general, like 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 him, hate him, whatever the fuck, like just the way that he controls the wrestling bubble right now, or at least a section of it, is you know it's it might even be more control than Kenny Omega had, honestly. And because because I think Will Ospreay is going to keep going as to where like Kenny, there was a clear like okay like this is the peak of Kenny's career. I don't. I don't know if we're even seeing like the peak of Will Osprey as far as this like phenomenon. Yeah. No, I mean it you've said this and I've completely agreed with you every time I've heard you mention it. I don't think that there's any question that um that uh that it isn't relatively soon that um that he's basically in the conversation and, and talked about as the greatest of all time and not just by a couple of psychopaths but literally by people who are respected people who and not even just pe- like certain people who are respected but like by wide swaths segments of the fan base in general i think that it's not too long until osprey is accepted and understood as one of the greatest of all time people are going to see it that way i think there's still major achievements moving forward for him he's what currently what was he he was the first british wrestler to win um best of the super juniors i think there's a chance that he within the next couple of years becomes first british wrestler to win the g1 you know with the showing that he had last year you slowly build that back up with the showing he's continuing to have you could see that happening relatively shortly so then that's another kind of feather in his cap for this great legacy he continues to move forward 
Um, winning, the, win, you know, winning the IWGP, IWGP title. Like, imagine this guy getting like when he gets the main event shows. Right. You know, like as much as we love Kenny Omega, right? That Kenny Omega clearly, when he when he catapulted that that level in in summer 2016, we knew that there was like okay, like there's no way this can last because like Kenny Omega is like so late into his career that it's like like it was still kind of weird that it happened that way. Well, Osprey, he's been like such a phenomenon for for a lot of people since 2015 and it hasn't stopped so the, so that's why it's to, that that that's why to me he very could he very could easily become some guy that bought that in a few years time people are like uh, are we sure that he isn't the best wrestler ever just because in 20 like since 2015 he's he, like it's, he's literally never stopped being a guy that people regarded on like I said on on that level right yeah i mean he's building that longevity case you're talking that's basically what you're, you're saying there you know he's starting to build mm-hmm. that case how many people have a run maybe not on top but a run of this quality of matches for this long already i mean that's five years is a pretty long time in the the grand scheme of things when you talk about people who are all-time greats to be you know top 10 top five top three wrestler even for that many years in a row as far as a lot of people are concerned and i i wouldn't think it was crazy for certain segments of the fan base for certain fans to say like i've had will osprey top three for the past five years possibly even longer right like that's not out of the question for certain people so that does that does then say like okay yeah like does that make him the greatest of all time i mean it's it's not insane it's not an insane thing for people to say i don't person i wouldn't personally say it you know just because I don't, I don't like him that much. <laughs> I don't think he's that great. Right. But he's, he, I mean, he's good. He's really fucking good. And and I honestly think he's getting better now than he's ever been, which is saying a lot because I was a big fan of his early on, and I was, I was, you know, I was definitely behind him in the idea that I thought that he was could develop into something great. I did not see this. I did not expect no, him like, to get to this level. You know, speaking speaking of well now, it's like you know we can we can move on to I only only watch the top two matches from the from night two, but. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay. And, like, th- like, this is my favorite Ospreay match of the year so far. And I had the two it's like the two previous Ospreay singles matches we got so far versus Hiromu and Dowie James. I had those both at four and a quarter. I, I gave this four and a half. I love this match. I think this is phenomenal. And, you know, this goes, this goes to my point that I've made about Ospreay for, for going on three years now is that he's gotten really good at everything. If you go back to the to that Shibata um that Shibata title match from 2017. Like he, you see, you see a guy that has very much improved in focused on getting and getting better at like doing, doing mat work and honing his striking and all that stuff. And, you know, he doesn't get to show it off very often, but against guys like Kushida and Shibata, he showed that side off and sometimes versus will. Um, but here we are a few, a few years down the line from that. And here, and Will's even better on the mat now than he was back then. And, He's already turned into a into a very good striker, but yeah, yeah. I'm just watching this and watching these two go back and forth and back and forth, and um, just see and just seeing how eventually Zach just gets tired of Will Osprey's shit and just starts stretching him and, twi- and, and twisting him, beating the shit out of him. And this match like like allegedly goes tw- allegedly goes 27 minutes. But be honest here, does that feel like a twenty-seven minute match? No, <laughs> like, I was, no. Yeah, I was, I thought that went like eighteen. I was like, oh man, this is like so great, so great. And then 
I went and, and then I went and looked on Cage Match, and it's like 26, 27 minutes. I'm like, nah, there's no fucking way that went <laughs> that, that, that was that long. And yeah, I loved I loved everything about this match. I loved the post match of Zach being so proud of himself and then gloating in Will Ospreay's face. Or Will Ospreay looks completely completely dejected and upset that he just lost this match and. Zach's selling is really good in this, and it felt like watching the best wrestler in the world again. Is you know, I'll, I said I'll still tell I'll still tell you to this day that I think Zach Saber Jr. is the best wrestler in the world, and it felt like watching him back in like the peak of his powers, and it's like ah oh, yeah, like this is exactly what I wanted to see this guy get to do again. And I was very I was over the moon watching this match. I'm not sure if you liked it nearly as much as I did, but I was ecstatic about this. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I. I... Didn't give it as high of a rating, but I would probably agree with you in saying that I think it is actually the best singles Osprey match so far. Um, I found it not that I don't think it hurt the match because I actually appreciated it for what it was in the match. But I did find that like the 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 discourse, uh, predominantly from Meltzer, coming out of this being like, oh, you know, Will Osprey does the mat wrestling with Zach, and he's just as good, and it, and the stuff that he does is just as good. And, and, you know, I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, 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 I could, I could do all that stuff. I trained into the British style, and I just like Lucha, so that's why I mostly do high fly. And I watched the match, finally, after kind of hearing that a little bit, and I'm like, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> like, his mat wrestling is good and, and fine, but he doesn't make Zach look bad, and he does some oh, really oh, oh, basic oh, yeah, no. stuff. So, any, any, any of that is crazy talk, but I think yeah. Will Ospreay... He, he's he's very solid on the mat. Yeah, he's like, competent. That, that's, that's more my thing there. Like, yeah. if you just look at it from Abushi, Shibata, Kushida, and all, all that stuff, like, he's a very capable guy. Yeah, he's competent on the mat. I'm not saying that he's not. And in fact, I think yeah. that these two, when they wrestled in Evolve, which I think was, um, I don't know, it was like probably their second or third match ever, I thought that match showed off uh, Osprey's on mat work a lot better than this did, and it's a, right. it's just very funny to me to watch this and have the, the the talking point coming out being like, oh, Osprey's just as good at mat wrestling as Saber, and it's like, no, he's not, Dave. Like you're a fucking mark for like Davis. It's ridiculous to me, Meltzer, and and people listen to him what he has to say, but it's it's so obvious. Like when he acts this way, just like clearly from being co-opted by people that he just is fans of or knows personally, and it's annoying. But in the context of the match, I thought that it worked. Because Saber is trick every trick in the book. I talked about it kind of, you know, outside of Japan, he's like Johnny Saint, Billy Robinson, more in Japan is the style that he kind of brings. But he's got that, that playbook. The part I always love thinking about uh, um, Johnny Saint referring to it as parlor tricks. You know, he calls like a lot of the, the grappling stuff that he would do the, the parlor tricks because it's, you know, it's not really about being a really good technical wrestler it's about knowing these little tricks that people just don't know it's not you know it's not really like i'm a great wrestler i'm, I'm just able to do these silly little things and so like that's kind of the the bag of tricks that zach can pull out um i, I really appreciate it. but it's like zach is doing that and osprey like i don't know he grabs like a fucking ankle bar like like that's the extent or they they roll back and forth with like uh counters on um on a uh, double leg nelson or, or uh, sunset flip kind of variation thing on the mat and it's like that's the extent of like osprey showing off that he can work on the mat and it's like that's not showing that he's as good as zach he's good he's, he's competent mat wrestler sure and like he's a fucking phenomenal striker now like you talked about like you've talked about plenty um but his flying his quickness the way that like he can transition from spot to spot is done really well and you talk about how how much this match doesn't feel like it's as long as it is and that's because they mix stuff up so well there wasn't there was no point in the match where there was a long string of very similar offense. It it really felt like things 
ebbed and flowed and not just about who's in control back and forth, but also like what style of offense they're using going from striking to quick to high paced to different holds to joint manipulation type holds to parlor trick type holds, like different things, different kind of styles of wrestling that makes it so that you didn't have, you didn't have time to think about how long the match was ever because you're constantly going from one thing to the next. So yeah, I mean, I give I give the match four stars. Like that's where my rating is. And I thought that one of the like an amazing thing that that Osprey did here, you know, the leg work I thought was done really well. Like him, you know, repeatedly attacking Zach's leg, which is not usually you expect it to go the other way. That people are attacking Osprey's leg, not not uh, Osprey is the one doing the leg work. But but I like that as a little wrinkle in here, showing the kind of that off. And I just thought that yeah, like I mean, this was phenomenal. And and the finish I thought was fucking killer. And it reminded me of. Just like you said, it reminded me of that period of time where it was not questionable that Zack Sabre Jr. was the best wrestler in the world. People love to use this word undeniable, but there was a period of time where Zack Sabre Jr. was undeniably the best wrestler. And all of his finishing sequences kind of felt like this, where it was this slow, just tap out kind of, you know, that 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 uh, Masato Tanaka phrase that he used for Zack Sabre Jr. But that's that was the epitome of what that felt like at that time, and it was before he was even. <laughs> you said Masato Tanaka. <laughs> yeah, oh, I said Masato Tanaka. Sorry, uh, Michinoku Taka Michinoku. Um, when he would say that for Zack, you know, but that was really Zack's thing when he was like the king of the Indies and the, and the the touring champion, is he would like just grind your bones, and it's like just tap out. Don't. Why are you letting him transition from hold to hold? To he's just gonna make it worse, and you're just gonna end up giving up. You might as well have just given up in the beginning instead of just having to deal with the excruciating pain that Zack's gonna put you through. So it was nice to see that, like you said, not just the level of the work throughout the match, but even the finish of the match. It felt like, oh yeah, this is you know. Zach, the best wrestler on the world, Zach, you know, then that was really cool to kind of to not only have him give that kind of performance throughout the entire match, but then to also tap top, uh, top it off cherry on top of actually even delivering a finish from that time period where Zach was the best wrestler on the planet. Uh, to finish us off here, Kazuki Okada versus Taichi, uh, you know, like the another Taichi main event after. He uh, main evented. I, I think that was it. It was one of the new beginning shows. He main evented against Naito last year. Yeah. Um, another really long Tai Chi match. I don't hate it. I didn't hate it as much. I didn't. I didn't dislike it as much as I like as I disliked the Naito match from uh from last year. I thought, especially down the stretch, as the crowd is getting more and more behind Tai Chi and he ramps up. The, he ramps up the aggression. I was getting more into it, but I Tai Chi's control segment. In the middle, I thought I thought was pretty bad here, and that like and, and I think that would cloud and that clouds it. But I thought other than that, I would I I got I bought into it eventually. They won me over. The finish the finishing stretch was good, except for that uh that one that one reversal where Okada did the backslide into the into the rain into the, the rainmaker, which kind of which looks like shit, and I don't think it's gonna really look good until Okada does it to like a. Abushi or Osprey or whatever, someone who's like so athletic that they'll make that look, you know, really seamless and smooth. But yeah, for for as much as a thing, for the things that this had going against it, like like the length here and Taichi just not being interesting in, in his control, I thought this still wound up being a pretty good match. Yeah, I can't, I can't completely remember if it was the Naito match, but I remember a Taichi match at some point last year that I really enjoyed. It might have been against like. Goto or Cobb or something, but like, and not Taichi. But I think it might have been the Naito match that you're talking about that was like a main event. Um, and I think that I liked that more, but I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Just because 
it felt like it was the beginning of this Tai Chi push, and it felt like Tai Chi was like not being his normal lazy ass self. But this match, I mean, fuck, you talk about his control. I mean, it's so bad. And and I referenced earlier some stuff that was like some you know crowd balling and and kind of lazy like gimmicky stuff on the outside that I appreciated when it was being done. This was the epitome of when I fucking hate it. Like choking a guy with a cord, slowly throwing weak looking kicks and playing it off like, oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm being dismissive. I'm being disrespectful. It's just, it's fucking boring and it's bullshit. And I just, I just can't get into it. And the reason why is like, I think that people can pull stuff off like that when I buy into it because they have that back, you know, that backbone of having been a good worker, but like he doesn't have that. So he hasn't earned the right to, to just do lazy bullshit spots like that and have me be invested. I'm not invested. So it's just, it's just lazy. Um, Okada works his ass off no matter what. Okada is great. And it's like, this is about as close you're going to get to the Okada, you know, wrestling a broom match as possible. So, you know, it, it that's going to be what it's going to be. Um, unfortunately, that means like not, not great. And that's why I, just, I said, like, I think that I, I think it was the Naito match. I'd have to double check this to make sure, but I think I liked it more just because it felt like Tai Chi was actually working. Was that in the beginning of like the dangerous T where they started calling him dangerous T and all that stuff. And like trying to play mm. off of that. And he was doing like power bombs and like actually wrestling. Um, I think that was that time. And it was like, he was, tr- he was trying a lot more and it brought more to the match. And unfortunately here, it's just, I don't know what the fuck this guy's problem is. Honestly, Tai Chi, like you would think that at this point, after everything that he's been through, he's finally getting a chance. Maybe you would think he'd put in some effort and it's just like, no, it's just not there. And it's like, again, you're keeping this guy and you're not signing Thatcher. What the fuck? New Japan. Um, yeah, this, I thought that this, this kind of sucked, but again, it was like, what do you expect from, from Okada wrestling a broom? Basically like, honestly, he would have been better off wrestling a broom if, if I'm being truthful, because at least a broom wouldn't like draw, drag the match down. And Tai Chi like actually hurts the match for me in a lot of ways. I mean, like you didn't like like down the stretch there. As I guess Tai Chi got more serious and you know was the was throwing his strikes and he does get his big get does get his big uh, Kawada style power bomb and it didn't you know you didn't get into it a little bit there down the stretch or was it just too little too late? It was too late and he had already done the Iron Fingers thing and that like they just looked goofy like and I just I never even liked Izuka using the Iron Fingers and then him bringing him back here just. It was too late. There was been too much fucking muffuckery at that point for me to give a shit about the match, you know. All right, yeah, that's fair. But I, I, I didn't love this. I'm not gonna go crazy for it. I didn't think it was like some, some revelation. Uh, like, well, you know, maybe, maybe Tai Chi is great. But like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on that boat. But I thought they did wind up turning it into something that I, that that, that I did at least enjoy, enjoy there. But you know, after that, you know, we're done here. Uh, the new beginning, the new beginning of the Osaka show. Is going to be going on in a few hours as we're as we're recording this, so we'll say we'll save that for next week. Uh, Timothy, anything you wanted to say? No, no, that's it. Thanks, uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. All right, we'll be back next week to do uh, to do a really thorough scrub of the new beginning in Osaka show, starting with is Toa Hanare ready for a never overweight singles push? Are you ready, Sam? I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll All see. right. <laughs>
Survival, and I know that.